I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News Beat. Hey, everyone. This is Manny Faces, producer, audio editor, and host of the reigning New York Press Club Journalism Podcast of the Year, News Beat where we mix high-level social justice journalism with music and very often sprinkle in original lyrical contributions from brilliant independent hip-hop artists. We like to say it's if Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. Peace and love, y'all. It's your man Manny Faces, creator, producer, editor, and host of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's smartest hip-hop podcast that sits among the recommended materials at Harvard University's Graduate School of Education. Uh, hey, this is a Newsbeat bonus episode. You're in the wrong podcast. What? Huh? No, this is an episode of Hip Hop Can Save America. I'm kicking it with Liquid, an incredible indie artist, educator, DJ, mentor, and absolutely- Hey, wait, I'm speaking with Liquid for this episode. It's called The Cypher, and we talk with dope artists that infuse social justice in their work. Okay, well, Liquid does exactly that. She's been an incredibly outspoken activist, advocating for black voices, particularly women and girls, through her music and her actions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in That's fact, she's, she's one, one of your podcast artists in residence. residence. Uh, Jinx, Jinx, buy, buy me, me a beer. beer. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, wait a minute. Why don't we put this out as a joint episode? You mean a Newsbeat and Hip Hop Can Save America collaboration? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Now, if only there was some common denominator between these two shows. Hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, please enjoy this discussion with artist, educator, DJ, and Newsbeat artist-in-residence, Liquid, as we discuss how pandemic life has affected our livelihood, the importance of artistic and personal evolution, and what's next for this prolific edutainer. Yeah, no doubt. This is the Newsbeat Cypher, featuring Liquid. And this is Hip Hop Can Save America. My name is Manny Faces. And my name is Manny Faces. Let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything.
my friend Liquid, it's been a long time since I've seen you, heard you, uh, been in the same place at the same time with you. It is very good to yeah. see you. They won't see you, but I can see you, and that makes me happy. Yeah. So how you how you doing? Same, same. I'm feeling good, feeling great, blessed and highly favored, all the stuff the, the old folks say. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see you as well. I, I think the last time I got to see you, you were DJing at Sidewalk Cafe or something mm, like that. Probably um, so. So that's, that's how long ago. It was. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I've been looking forward to this. I appreciate you. Um, we've obviously known each other for, you know, a number of years out and about in the New York City area as you were uh, an artist, not from New York City. We'll get into that. But you were out around there and you were performing and doing wonderful things on, a, on the artistry tip. And then, of course, when we started the Newsbeat project, I knew uh, that we had to uh, get you on. And, of course, you were featured on a couple of really great, um, powerful episodes it was it was really great to have you as one of our artists in residence uh, and and further our relationship as it you know pertains to doing work together that's meaningful and valuable that's obviously why we're talking now on the ciphers because we still want to highlight folks like yourself and especially you in particular uh, to find out like what's going on you know what's like you said it's been years since we've been together you know rocking yeah. the scene and so I want to know a little bit about, you know, where you're at today how the you know pandemic opening up uh, slightly I guess for lack of a better term is affecting your trajectory, what you've been doing in the meantime, because people want to find out more about you. And you have several monikers, like some of us do. You got a few AKA. So please just let the people know how, yeah. how you present yourself to the world as an artist. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a very... Work uh, that out for me. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a trajectory, right? Well, first I have to say, like, I feel truly blessed and honored to have been a part and be a part of, of what you all do at Newsbeat. Intentional content is something that I hold really true to myself, just as a human, not even as an artist or a creative. So just as you were going through that, I think some of my most favorite works, verses that I've written have, have been for Newsbeat. So as a creator, I wouldn't have been able to draw that inspiration or influence myself. So thank you for allowing me to um, tap into that side of, of spirits, tap into that side of expression because um i happened to scroll through and i saw the poverty one that we did mm. and um one of my other favorites was like the extremist mm. terrorist like home uh, uh, national uh, uh, home based uh, right, terrorist. right right uh, uh, radical caucasian extremism yes, yes that was one of my <laughs> favorite and i you know it, it, like it was uh the challenge of it yeah. like really going down that rabbit hole and, and really um researching because that was the other thing about it just having to research those topics so very long-winded way of saying thank you so much <laughs> for that no no we thank you to answer your question yeah it's like for me it's the Duchess the Dame. remember the name harlem southern bell dj liquid forever in the mix you can call me fade but you can never fade me all of the good things fade grim AKA DJ Liquid, AKA Ellis for Love, AKA LMA Flossy, LMA Glossy. I could keep going, yes. but I'll stop there. <laughs> I love it. I knew it was gonna be I knew it was gonna be a thing, so I wanted to hear you run, yes. run, run it down. And and yeah, thank you for thanking us. Um one of the great things about Newsbeat, uh, and, and SK has talked about this as well, is from an artist's point of view, it's not that you're matter of fact, many artists are capable of kind of going down the direction, going down the road. That, but you don't always get a chance to. I mean, sometimes you could write, yeah. you know, you write powerful stuff from your perspective. But, you know, when would you, in the course of your artistry, say, I'm going to write from the perspective of a racist white guy that has grievances <laughs> right. against the world? Like, you know what I mean? 
Absolutely, um, absolutely. The hands of time couldn't untie these thoughts to intertwine in my mind as we rise, watching the tides collide. Affirmative action in class action suits will suit you fine. Instead of working on your own, getting a job like mine. Got the left wing commies conversing on their purposes. Women, Jews, gays, a job wearers in their turbans. It's everybody you see, every category. America is inclusive to everybody but me. But what about me? I worked three jobs to get through college. Wasn't less fortunate, so couldn't get a scholarship. For straight white middle class, the world has a coup. Can't even smack a piece of ass without hearing me too can a taxpaying man have a beer and watch the patriots without somebody kneeling to my flag degrading it i've been stopped by the cops but all lives matter i'm alive because i respect the law and treat them with manners you should learn it you deserve it you're so worthless so it's curtains won't be treated second class to a first-rate servant when election day comes i'm voting for trump I push you back in your place before you replace us I got to tell you, amongst us and for everyone else, uh, the verse uh, on the um, uh, abused and alone episode, uh, the work you did on on the you know women behind bars and, and sexual abuse behind bars and Me Too movement behind bars is yeah. easily our, you say this is some of your favorite work that you've ever done. It's easily some of our, the best stuff I've oh. ever heard from any artist, you know, across the board, bar none. So, and I know that, uh, my, my folk at, um, at Newsbeat, we, we, in I'm awe of that, that, of that work. I call for the guard. I called for the guard. He looked back. Our eye contact was confirmation. I was going where I can't come back. Even after the scars healed, my mental often relapsed. He looked away and said nothing while they circled to attack. The first punch was blatant. My first sight of blood, I almost fainted. Ingested by fear, regurgitated. I protested. It's worse than being arrested. He orchestrated the attacks to flex the domination. Rather die than have my body invaded. Rob my house and bank account, but not this type of invasion. God help me. I left the room I see the devil in the corner Handing her a broom What would you do? I'm fighting for dear life Taking one of them with me And if I gotta die tonight I'll make sure she won't forget me The screams of silencing It's like the embodiment Suffocating, never dying While they breathing free oxygen Why you lie to me? I'm supposed to pay my debt to society The crime and punishment have no equality Uncle Sam's gavel to Billy Club Bill, supposed to be a badge of honor. It's a license to kill. I'm still alive, though. A part of me arguably died inside, though. But I survived, yo. Now I'm letting everybody know. I'ma tell it, I'ma belt it while there's breath in my lungs. Till every peak and valley felt it. Every woman, boy, and girl that had their innocence stolen. You're not invisible. You're invincible. And now you know it. If no one noticed, it's not your fault. We gon' point these monsters out till they all get caught. Look, we'll pat each other on the back all day. Um, <laughs> True. Now, obviously, we took a hiatus from making full-fledged um, episodes that included artists. Uh, you know, just, you know, had to slow the roll a little bit because of the, the pandemic. And we managed to keep on putting out good stuff, uh, thankfully. And we did a bunch of artist-less, you know, sans artist mm-hmm. episodes, which actually really went well. And one of them actually won the uh, the New York Press Club journalism podcast of the year award again for like we won with why we riot we won in 2021 didn't have an artist on it so while we love our artist friends we're glad that we're able to keep the messaging going even though we weren't able to collaborate and we will again come back uh to the you know uh combining those forces but because we took a hiatus for a while with working with artists i'm sure that as an artist uh yourself how did the pandemic uh, affect you personally professionally Mm -hmm. uh 
just to give a kind of idea from a, an independent artist that kind of just does their own thing and, you know, doesn't have the machine of, you know, giant corporations to necessarily maybe, you know, hold them up during these times. Uh, what did you have to do to, you know, what happened? How did it affect you? I like, I'm going to just rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I came back home. Yeah. I'm like I'm in South Carolina, yeah. you know, and just to paint the full trajectory, I went from, gigging three or four nights a week, creating, you know, independently, but pretty frequent enough for what I wanted to do as an artist. And I worked full time. Right. So, um, you know, I was one of those artists that was lucky and came in kind of like at the nexus of what we do for passion, kind of overlapping into corporations needing it now. So I I was working as a music curator for an app. So I pretty much got to DJ for an app. Like tech made it possible right. for us to do this the stuff that we would do for free or just for friends. Sure. Like they made it a job, you know. So um I was in a place where, you know, I was in Harlem. I was going through a tough personal time that I won't get into, but I was um, you know, single in the city again and just kinda in Harlem figuring myself out. And um the company laid half of everybody off. Yeah. You know, and you know, the the pandemic had already been setting in. So, you know, my sister pretty much told me like, get out of New York. You got to come back home. Like, you <laughs> right. know, cause if you remember that time, it was pretty scary. You were in a hot spot. Um, yeah. Hot spot. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I was in a hot spot, yeah. you know, and um, I was following the protocol, you know, and staying like literally just staying at home and yeah. which is great. You can FaceTime and everything. But I think we all remember that first onset of just being alone for hours on end or whatever, yeah. you know, um, so for my own mental health, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go home for a couple months and I'll come back once all of this is figured out. Yeah. You'll ride it out. I was like, yeah, I'll ride <laughs> yeah. it out a little bit. Well, it's you not going to be that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Not, it's not like it's going to last three years or anything. <laughs> right. right. If I could right. uh, time travel back to 2020, Ooh, like, like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, fast forward through that time, like, you know, I was, I was sleeping on my sister's couch. Mm. I was freelancing. And as an artist, I wasn't in a creative space. Like I, I can be an empath sometimes, yeah. a, a lot of the time. So it's, it's harder for me to create in certain circumstances. Like I can fight the powerful people across the seas and, you know, want to speak up for everybody when it's time to do that. And, mm-hmm. and there was space for that, but I had, uh, what's the way? gone beyond wanting to use the paintbrush if that makes sense right. I'll, I'll let people interpret that how they want to but yeah. i was like we're gonna march out here how we marching like gotcha. let me know because that we we hit that point as well it's we true. faced you know we faced the disease of racism we faced the disease of covid19 yeah. so I, the viruses i, I mm-hmm. should say yeah i had to go through all of that and i got to a place where i was centered i spent a lot of time with myself and reflecting on the last 15 years in new york and i quite frankly didn't like a lot of the things that um, that I had let go, like I felt like I lost a part of myself. Mm. And I say this quote to to like my students, like never shrink so much to where you lose yourself. You know, you don't need to bend for someone else to stand, and you also don't need to puff up to prove your point or prove who you are. Mm. And I lost a lot of that, so I had to come home. And like in that, like right now, like, so I was saying, this, I was saying figuratively I, and literally. Figuratively, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Factual, yeah. you know. So, you know, fast forward to now, um, 
I'm still working in the audio content space. I'm working full time. I'm making what I want to make for now. I am actively creating more so as a DJ now Mm -hmm. than I was as an MC. But, you know, I'm still working on potential MC things. But, you know, I just hit that 40 mark. So also it's like, what's next? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that hip hop is mature enough to appreciate grown-up raps, which I'm glad we finally hit that age. Like, rock and roll has been doing it. Like, Elton John just played Barclays. Like, (laughs) you know, he's going to tour forever, you know? So I think hip-hop is getting to that point, too. But also, I don't know if I ever saw that in the cards for myself. Mm. So I'm curious about executive production. I'm curious about, I don't know, taking, like, the DJ Khaled role. Without the DJ Khaled approach, but I love DJ Khaled. No, that's no shade. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I love Khaled. But I, like, I would love to see that from, like, all women's type, I don't know, collaborative thing. And I executive produced it, but I'm keeping all of those doors and ideas open. So, and then like, I finally just checked off boxes that I had for myself. Like I like that. I might've lost sight of like this house I'm in right now. Like I bought this, like me and my sister went in together, but this was our process to just start generational wealth. We'll continue it. I should say in our family and, and for it to be a conversation point because my mother's side of family, we're Gullah. So we do come from, you know, Sea Island Coast, the land, and we have our, our property still there, which my mother's grandfather owned, yeah. but no one's teaching the process of how to make sure we maintain that. So I'm like, I'm talking about all this black power stuff and what do I own? Mm, got it. You know, what's actually black power and, and what does that look like? And, and not even from a fiscal point, because everything's not about money, but how do how do I walk that lesson that I'm showing on social media? It's like, you know, I, I had nothing to back it up and I didn't like that in my I didn't like that. So um so yeah, I was definitely one of those artists that I needed to I needed this time to find myself again. I, I was going to say, it's sort of like, I, it's, I'd hate to call it a blessing in disguise. I think that's too, you know, not nuanced enough because it's, you know, certainly not yeah. a blessing. But you found a way to navigate or take that time, you know, seemingly, I'm not, I'm speaking for you, you know, to get a better understanding of where you were in life. And maybe it was just a timing, yeah. you know, maybe a 22 year old or a you know, 70 year old wouldn't you know, need it, but at the timing might've been right for someone like yourself in that particular time. And I wonder, I often say like folks who have faced, you know, oppression and, 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 and real negativity have often found ways to take a bad situation and, and make something out of it. You know, certainly hip hop mm-hmm. also, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at the core of it. And I think that folks maybe because of that might've been a little better poised to deal with such a life-changing sh- shift of events that we've dealt with, yeah. uh, you know, recently. And it sounds like you, you really like personified that. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, to your point, like that's kind of how technology is created sometimes. Yeah. Like I need this thing. I don't have it per se. I need <laughs> to figure out how to make something work. Right. You know? right, right. So, you know, it's, it's true. Like sometimes you have to, I don't know, build the plane while you're landing it. Mm. It's, yeah. it's scary. I feel you. Yeah. You know, it's terrifying, but you're like, yo, if I don't, I'm going to crash. So I got to right. do what I need to do. Now, specifically you, this wasn't the first time you made such a leap of, leap of faith, though. You talked about going home means you came from home and you were in New York City. That yes. whole migration, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, yeah. was an initial <laughs> leap of faith. What was the early days of yeah. your artistry, you know, coming up, coming to New York City? Like, what were you into yeah. and, and how were you coming up? What were you working on back in the, in the early days? Yeah, those were some, some beautiful years. Uh, I definitely left a strong uh, hip hop community support system, I guess, yeah. because 
it was different from New York in that, you know, New York is New York. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the birthplace of hip hop. You've got pockets of communities in every borough and sometimes many communities within those boroughs, depending on, you know, the neighborhood. And for Columbia, South Carolina, where I'm born and raised, we had a pocket, but it was more state-based, I guess. Okay. For instance, uh, one of the more popular MCs out of Carolina from Florence, um, you know, Florence is like an hour and a half away. He was a regular at our monthly hip hop event, I guess, if that makes sense. And it was like right in Columbia downtown next to USC. Like the guys that started it, shout out Shakis the Beast. He was a DJ on the radio, but he also was the DJ at WUSC. You okay. know what I mean? So he was like the big homie. Like yeah. he went to Columbia High, he went to my high school. He was like a couple years ahead of me, but him and Kingpin, his his uh, business partner, they made this community. And so like for me, when I graduated college and I ended up going to St. John's for grad school, I, that was like a means to an end. Like I knew I just wanted to get to New York to be a part of, of what was happening as, as far as hip hop. And I was everywhere. I was in everything. I did every kind of showcase, what faces in the crowd. I won that. I was the second woman to win the MC challenge. Like chocolate tie was like the first. Mm. And it was like years between since another woman had won. And I was like, yo, I got to go in there and <laughs> do this. Yeah. And I wasn't that good of a freestyler. Like, right. I think I learned to freestyle better. And I always say this big zoo was like a huge influence for me. Cause I'd never saw anybody do what he did. I, the closest cat. And this is like old school Carolina. Now this, this dude named Spectac. Mm. This man was a principal at a school in Carolina. He would like literally have us hold up items in the crowd and rap about it. But he would do it for, and I mean like logical <laughs> statements, like not just, right. oh, pin, right. and then, and when, my friend, not know that. Right. It was like well thought out <laughs> lyrical banter that he, that he was able to perform off the top of his head impromptu. And so, yeah, with me, I just wanted to be a part of everything and be in everything. I got to do my first international tour. Like this, I won't say yeah. liquor company took me out there to a great company, but you know, it's not about <laughs> means that. to an end, means um, to an end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to do my yeah. first international tour. Yeah, it's means to an end. So I really just wanted to, I was all about rapping and hip hop and whatever, doing the battles if need be, even though I wasn't a battle person. It took me, I guess, to where I thought I wanted to be. And, you know, even when I did get signed and which was years later, I still feel like there was more to music that I wasn't tapping into. So being a DJ gave me, I guess, what I felt like I had been missing, you know, right. just falling in love with music all over again. You know, and I was like in high school, I was on drumline. I was a snare drummer. I was the percussion captain for like two years. So it gave me a bit of, I guess, and you know what, to be honest, it made me a better rapper it made me a better mc it made me yeah. a better songwriter i would say more more listening to music more genres more influences more, exactly yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah because you were as you were saying you were gigging so much but you were half the at least half the time more than half the time you were djing you know uh, you're out there spinning yeah yeah and i i felt like i i went through my catalog one time and i was like yo as a dj i have this thing like if i play a song i stand behind it yeah. ten, 10 toes down like i don't care you come up yo i don't like this song play this no no you need to hear this got it and this is why it gave you some opportunity to do that too it gave me the opportunity to do that yeah. and i thought about my own music and i had like four or five projects out and i was like what song of mine could i play in the club mm. and stand 10 toes down it was only like two records do you know how much of a real moment that is to look yourself in the mirror like 
if Young Liquid came up to Grown Liquid, like, yo, can you pay my record? I'd be like, yo, sis, let's just build after the set. <laughs> Right. Yo, sis, I'm with you, but let me let me listen to some more of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I was like, nah, I couldn't. I couldn't. And I'm spinning in Harlem. Yeah. Like, you know, we talking black, black. You talking African black. Right. You talking HBCU black. Right. You talking about New York black. Right. Like, this is like, you know, they hold you accountable. You can't be playing no whack stuff on Friday nights in Harlem. Right. Are you kidding me? Right, right. Indeed. So. <laughs> Got it. So that also made you say, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me let me adjust. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What was the mentality uh, from an artist, from an artist perspective? I mean, it's not like you were always making, you know, crappy music, like you're making good stuff. But at some point, what did that change mean to you in terms of your artistry, in terms of maybe some of the subject matter or some of the angles or approaches once you started realizing like, you know, I got to, I don't want to say step it up. I'm not trying to downplay what you had, you know, doing beforehand, but, but change it up a little bit. What does that what does that mean? What does that sound like? What what kind of stuff you were doing after that? I think that it was authenticity. Yeah. And I don't even know if it was a um a maturing that I had to go through or a returning to what made me who I am. Like the unapologeticness, the uh shock value, the wow factor, all of those things like not being like being that person that says what everybody else is thinking but everyone else is afraid to say and getting back to that there again there would be songs here and there but i don't even think it was a full project that i felt that strongly about and you know like with with my newer stuff okay so fake rem lma flossy those were my last two projects that i put out and there's so much growth in between those two projects and it's not just because one is a traditional producer MC album and one is a full on live project. But I think the amount and care that went into formulating, I guess what LMA Flossy was, and also because it wasn't owed to both my maternal, paternal grandmothers and my mother, like it holds their names. I took a special care with that project. And also I had so many collaborators like, I don't like wasting people's time. Okay. I don't want, you know what I mean? I'm very particular about that. And I'm very, um, very careful about someone lending their art too. There was a lot of intention there. So I think the authenticity of it was, was that much more impactful and important to me too. And I think too, because that project has a bigger scope, like it was tied into the performance piece, right. you know, the Afrofuturism performance piece. And, you know, some of my students got to help on that from the Lower East Side Girls. Shout out to LES Girls Club. Yep. Um, shout out to all of the people over there that made that possible. And, you know, this was my first time doing a multi-dimensional presentation yeah. in the planetarium and with actors and with a live band and with dancers and with, you know. So I think from that angle, like I wanted to push myself more. And it's not to say that I didn't push myself on fake rim or no regrets or gummy bears and champagne. Like I pushed myself more, but from a different way for, for the work that I am doing now and I want to do now. I, I feel like there are more layers to go. It's like, okay, this liquid was cool, but what else can we, what else is, right. can we figure out here? And I want to come back to the students aspect. I want to come back working with younger people. But before we go there, I just want to say, because it sounds like you were kind of, you're getting into it and I want to try to pull it out of you. What messages, what 
vibes, what feelings, what concepts did you feel like I have and that the world needs? Mm. You know what I mean? As artists, I, I don't want to be like, uh, you know, I have to go. I'm not the savior of the world. You know what I mean? But there's certain things that you yeah. think that, I, you know, as any person, as any artist would say, you know, I have a perspective that I've been holding back maybe or I haven't really fully explored. And yeah. it's super important in this time or in the, at that time to get that out. Was there anything that comes to mind? Yeah. Um, I, I like to think of myself as the person that continues to push for the voice of Black women to be heard, especially in the space of hip hop, right? And the reason why I think that is so important is because hip hop is traditionally a place where Black men get to be the patriarch. What we consider white capitalist, patriarchal, Christian, heterosexual normality in America. Right. Hip hop is the one space where black guys get to do that. It's a privilege <laughs> that no one wants to talk about. Right. Okay. But I I was thinking about if we got to this topic, how would I say this? Like what would be the proper way? And this is the, the proper way to say it. Black men are the white men of hip hop. It's okay. I'm gonna get a couple unfollows for this, but I'm all right. <laughs> okay. <with it. laughs> all right. And this is why I say this yeah. because um, and you know, I was talking to a very dear friend of mine. I love this man so much. Um and he has been a huge mentor to me. And we're talking about doing a thing together. Um, and to not go into too much detail, but, you know, he was like, yo, Liquid, I'm going to tell you this. He was like, I want your voice out there too. And it's hard because, how did he say it? He was like, you know, dudes, like we just look at as women as someone to be with. And this is me using different language than what he used. Right. But we just real like that. That's how we talk. You know, he's, he's the homie. Yeah. And he's like, he's from that era. Well, it's true. Like, that's the, that's what they believe. It's not sugarcoated. Like, it's, I think because that we can, we can have these conversations now around Me Too. We can have these conversations around intersectionality. We can have these conversations around rape culture. And we can have people agree and understand. But ultimately, that thought process and that uh, belief system is very much embedded in hip hop. And it's one where there's a way to continue to have another voice without it being preachy, annoying, or something that you can completely disregard. And like, I, I want to figure out the way to do that. And I've heard people have conversations after seeing Tea Time, or I've heard people having conversations after a post or after a song or, or something that I say. And I think those conversations have to continue to be had. And I was realizing that a lot of people that are in these positions of wokeness or these people that you think are like, oh, they're knowledgeable about Black liberation. And you think that, oh, the, I, that includes me too as a Black woman, or that includes me as well as a queer Black person. But a lot of Black people that talk about Black liberation aren't talking about you. Mm. They mean straight black men and then maybe straight black women. Right, right. But anything outside of that, like right. you a part of the you part of the gay mafia, the right. alphabet agenda, you know, like we don't want you free. Like it's it's very right. it's frustrating. So it's like how do you keep that conversation going without deflecting or deterring from the bigger picture of what what liberation should look like? And the work that I do now 
And this was another just like moment with after 2020, I was like, yo, I have to be intentional about what I put out. Yeah. Could I put out some some dope records with just some ill verses and a lot of double entendres and metaphors and this, this, that, and third? Probably. Yeah, rapidly rap. Rapidly rap. Yeah, you know, rap. that yeah. out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a situation where like, I want to hit it from this angle and, mm. and talk about liberation via a black femme lens. And like, when I say I believe in the black femme future, like this was a lot of the conversation that we had with um we did a, I, I did an Apollo live stage um presentation um called Black Notes Film Future. Shout out to Shirley Taylor, Princess Lafrey. Like we got to just do this wonderful panel about social movements in the context of black feminine leadership and as it relates to Afrofuturism, but in the form of realism. So meaning who are some real life superheroes, you know, right now? Mm. Like I'm not, I mean, we can talk about Shuri and Storm, but we can also talk about Shirley Chisholm. Right. We can also talk about Fannie Lou Hamer. Right. We can also talk about Stacey Abrams. Right. We can also talk about Ruha Benjamin. Like, you know, let's talk about the real life women right now who are creating black futures in this world that we live in. Mm. And what does that look like for black people? Mm. And it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's the, the the old school term until everyone is free. No one is free. Right. Right. So that includes within within a racial we could stick within the racial construct. But that includes all people that are not considered the majority of that minority, if you think about it that way. So I, I think that's when I reached the, the crossroads for so long in my career. I was so focused on racial injustice in the liberation of black folks. And I was looking at it from that heteronormative lens. It's like, yo, I got to stand up for my brothers. And Black women, we're raised that way. Um, so much to the point where we'll put our own bodies on the line. We'll put our play, ourselves second. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we need that, that kind of dedication. But also we have to remember ourselves as well because we get lost in, in, the, in the shuffle. And it's like we're showing up for everyone else and then no one shows up for us. Like it's very hurtful to, to see that. and. It's it's twofold. It's like it's interesting to see how people are responding to injustice in other places. And it's like, oh, black people are being discriminated over there as well. So, you know, I'm not going to fight that battle. It's like, oh, it's not fun when you're fighting for someone and they don't want to take up for you. You know, it's like it's it's frustrating. So but black women don't have that privilege. Like, you know, and don't be queer like a queer black woman. It's like you got all the minorities working against you. <laughs> right. And it, and it's one of those situations where anytime someone can opt out of privilege, oftentimes that happens. So it's in the, in, this is the intersectionality thing. Audre Lorde talked about it. Bell Hooks talked about it. Like everyone has talked about it. We're fighting with black men up until the point where they can pick their manhood as their privilege because mm. that's their privilege. Mm-hmm. We're fighting with white women up until the point they can pick their whiteness as their privilege, you know? And then at some point it just leaves us. And, you know, then you add in the third queer or, or hetero lens, and that's a whole other thing as well. So the moment I realized there wasn't that many voices out there like mine that could speak to this with this kind of passion and the amount of um, empathy as well, because it's tough. Yeah. Like some days I'm like, yo, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. You know, other days I'm like, I'm only supporting black women. F everybody else. And it's like, that's not healthy. That is that toxic? Am I am I the drama? Am I being toxic? Right. You know, so it's about finding that balance and showing up as much as I can to do that. And if it's through my art, then that's the way I gotta approach it. 
Well, you sure as hell answered that question. Thank you for that perspective. <laughs> I, that's what I wanted to know. And I, that's it's, yeah. a, a brilliant perspective. And I think it needed to be heard and it needs to be heard. So there you go. Um, and I guess it's just, you know, like I said, it's your authentic self at this point. So, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You spoke about students and working with young folk and um and working with these organizations. Tell me a little bit about past, present, and hopefully future of those kind of endeavors. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, for about 10 years, I was uh, a teaching artist based in New York, and I'd worked with so many organizations over the time. I was working with Kids Creative for a while, Red Hook Initiative in Brooklyn. Girls Club, Lower East Side Girls Club. I worked with Avenue DJs over there. Also did um, a spoken word program with them as well. Mm. And um, the Apollo Theater Education Program, I, I worked with them a good bit. Even in the virtual world, we were able to continue um, doing work together as well. And I, I worked in a few um, just after school, public school programs where you go in and, and work with the young folks. You know, I, I always say, like, I think that's just something that I inherited from my mom and maybe some from my dad as well. Like my mom was a social worker. My dad would work with the youth over at um, it's a place called Willow Gray, where like the juveniles would, would be. So he was like a, um, a counselor there for a while after he left the service. So I think that's just something that I inherited from them. Like I always felt like there's fun ways to have education. And like when I was a teenager, like my senior year, Going into my freshman year in, in college, um, this poet Omari Fox was doing a program at this high school called Marlboro High. It's like you know in the woods, so um, <laughs> I went over there. Like I got to hang out with the kids, and you know this was way before I even knew what a teaching artist was. But right, you know I got to freestyle with the kids, and we made our own songs and everything. And it was just something that I really enjoyed. And I felt like this is an easy way to just make a fun access point for English or, right, you know, right. and you, for, for whatever studying history, for anything. Right. Yeah, for anything. And, and you know that I'm a big advocate, obviously for the intersection of hip hop and education. Hip hop is mental health therapy or, yeah. you know, something I do when I'm not doing Newsbeat. That's, that's what my whole thing is about advocating and promoting yeah. that for the people that don't know. Cause people say, Oh yeah, it's cool. You all just sit around doing raps. Like, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Right. Sure. But <laughs> it's a little more. Yeah, a little more. What, you know, yeah. just as an example, what are some of the maybe some of the specific kind of uh, activities you did? Or generally speaking, what would these interactions do for young people on a positive level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll just use two examples for the classes that uh, my teenagers um, over at Red Hook, what we used to do. So this was fun because. This program, I actually shout out to Tony Blackman at Atlas. Oh, yes, um, yes, the, the 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 good big homie. Yes, yes. Atlas had a program called Intentional Movement, and I believe through that it was a hybrid of moving, so breath control. So it it also brought in um, the wellness part of being an artist as well. Yeah, combined with um, learning um, just the different forms of literature in rabbit. What's a personification, what's metaphor, whatever. So yeah. I kept a lot of that too, because I think that's important to just help with creative writing. Yeah. But we also would bring in the entrepreneur side of things too. So I, again, like, I think it's important to have that wealth training and understanding what you're doing with your craft from the business side as well. So sure. we would do everything from work on the cipher moments of coming together and freestyling together to how do I put together a song to 
who do I register that song with to how do I set up an LLC? And it grew into this thing called teen entrepreneurs. Mm. So it was like teen entrepreneurs. And so not everyone was an artist. Like I had a, a good bit of um, MCs and musicians, producers, but I had a kid that was into gaming, mm. like just video gaming. Right. And like his thing was, and this is before Twitch, Manny. So <laughs> his thing was, yo, I just want to play video games and have people watch me. And I was like, all right, well, I guess kids are into that. At the time, wow. it wasn't, yeah. so, isn't that crazy? crazy. So now yeah. at, in Twitch, that's all Twitch is For right sure. now. Yeah. So I, you know, I actually wonder how he's doing. Um, but <laughs> Probably one um, of the early uh, ones and doing, probably, probably, exactly. doing really well. <laughs> Jumping out there yeah. early. Like who, who knew you can ma- monetize this? They um, knew, he knew. They, he, he knew. knew. <laughs> <laughs> he said it. Yeah. So yeah, so it was, that was probably one of, one of my favorite classes that we did um just being able to talk about all aspects of the music business right right and just using hip-hop as that gateway to do so right because even if they don't ever become a you know rap star on a label and need to know you know uh ascap and bmi they've learned some business skills they've learned some financial tips they've learned some life lessons that have nothing to do with being a, a rapper you know famous rapper and of course, if they do go on to be a famous rapper, then that's good too. They know how to watch their pockets. And they got the, you know? exactly. So yeah, either way, but life lessons, that's the key is that the, you're teaching life lessons and, and they're interested yeah. because you're attaching it to, to music in the culture. Yeah. it's And it's something that sticks with them. And, you know, we also would have lessons around various arts movements, so the black arts movements, Harlem Renaissance, mm. like all of those different waves as well, and still be able to relate it to not just new school hip hop. They would play stuff that they're listening to. I play stuff from my era. Right. You know, that's conversation moments, conversation pieces as well. Yeah. So it, it just works holistically all the way around. It's it. like the the medicine and the applesauce. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And, yeah. and, and it's a valuable thing because obviously we don't see a lot of that uh, maybe enough of it in the schools themselves. Like the schools are reluctant to right. to incorporate some of these things. Obviously, the hip hop ed movement and the folks that are you know trying to change that. You know, I, yeah. I work with a lot of those folk as well. Um, so we want to see more of that. And I'm glad you gave those examples to just kind of demonstrate the the um, the effects and the importance. And I bet you they will never forget rocking with liquid in those in those. Uh, so. No, nah, I think so. You know. <laughs> um, that brings me to I guess current times. Uh, have you been able to do much of that recently? Uh, are you planning to now? You know, I know you're somewhere else. You're figuring out, you know, wh- wh- where life is going to go next. Um, what are you working on now in terms of that or really just in general? Like what you got going on? So, yeah, right now, I mean, I just finished. I still collaborate with um, the Apollo Education Program. And we just finished, like I said, Black Notes, Fem Future, which linked in Afrofuturism to real life social justice movements. Re-released again for Women's History Month. And then for Girls Club, while I was able to do some virtual stuff with the students uh, when everything first started and leading into 2021, we haven't planned anything for this year thus far, but they are playing a gig um, coming up. So so the girls, they gig too, by the way, because this is DJs. So they're out here making waves. So they are playing um, a gig um, actually with my homegirl, Chanel Gabriel. So some of the girls are going to play play a gig. And, you know, again, I've just been able to see them here and there via virtual space yeah. since everything happened for now. So still checking but in yeah, like as, the, a, as a mentor, on a, you know, check yeah. it in. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're keeping that. And that's forever. We're keeping that open. And then creative wise, outside of, of programming, um, I've just been writing. So, um, you know, with Tea Time, I was 
blessed enough to present it on Governor's Island in October and wanted to do some more collaborations and present it again and get it to where it needs to be. So I'm going to take some time to just write for the spring, but hoping to head back to New York in around June okay. to do a couple of things. So All yeah, right. at still, still working a bit, but taking it step by step. Yeah. Uh, my ultimate dream though, I would love to come up with some kind of scholarship or grant program mm. um, focused for young women who want to go into um, these various types of fields. Yeah. So that's the ultimate dream. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how those steps can come to fruition. Oh, well, I, I, if I had a bet, you know, I'd, uh, I'd put money on it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, all right, very Love cool. That. Well, listen, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm near Atlanta now. I'm trying to get back to New York for a little bit and do some things back up there. Hopefully maybe we'll go yeah. around the same time. I'm thinking June, July also. So maybe I'll pop up and hopefully we'll cross paths. If not, wherever you are, please keep me informed. I will, wherever you rock and I will come and see you rock. That's um, love. Yeah. And I heard you doing a podcast movement, man. Yeah. I'll be in LA. I don't, yeah. I'll be speaking in LA at podcast movement and I've got a few other speaking things going on. Actually. I've, uh, I've got a few things. I will be back in, uh, I'll be at Rutgers in, uh, in May. That's yeah. Amazing. I'm, uh, you know, I got a few other things bubbling. So I'm out here spreading the Feel gospel that. of how hip hop can save the world. Uh, yes. and, uh, whenever I do, uh, believe me when I tell you, uh, this is uh, 100% truth that you are very often one of the names that I'll bring up as, uh, evidence of, oh. of that. And of course you do it with the young folk. You do it as an artist. You've done it with Newsbeat, and I hope we get you back on. I know we will. Uh, as soon as we get yes. rocking again with our, you know, full artist episodes, which, uh, I suspect is coming sooner than later uh we'll get you back on if you would have uh if you would have us absolutely absolutely very cool let people know i will let you know and let the people know where they could find you all that you know regular end of podcast interview stuff yes yeah, so uh yep it's again this is liquid you can hit me up wherever at liquid that's l-i-k-w-u-i-d check out my blog slash journal diary of a mad black dj on www that's a lot of W's. All the W's. Iamliquid.com. <laughs> Every couple Fridays or so, you can catch me on WBAI Radio 99.5 as a guest conductor. And I'll be around. Like, you know, hit me up whenever. Join my Discord, Black Notes, Film Futures, all of the good things. And Ellis for love. That's what's up. Well, I love you. And I'm glad to uh, uh, spend I love this- you. <laughs> I'm glad to spend this time with you. Yeah. Yeah, same. It's made my day. Ah, right. made mine as well. Let's catch up again soon uh, on the non-news beat tip. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> All right, in the up. meantime, you be safe. All right, This has been a joint production of the Newsbeat podcast from Maury Creative Studios and Hip Hop Can Save America, presented by the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. Both shows are produced by Manny Faces Media. For more information on either of these shows, please visit www.usnewsbeat.com or www.hiphopcansaveamerica.com, respectively. All the information you need will be at those sites. Once again, on behalf of everyone involved in both of these incredible shows, my name is Manny Faces. I thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Peace and love.
Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com. Filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.